everybody. Welcome to Frame Rate, the show podcast, the show podcast where we rate frames. I'm Abe Epperson, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here along with my other co-host. Introduce yourself. I'm host co-Michael Swaim on this show cast, and it's mm. great to be here. Hi, Abers. Hi. So today, if you read the little thing, you know what we're talking about and you know who we're talking about it with, but please introduce yourself, special guest. I am special co-guest, Adam Ganser. Hey, Adam. Hey. Welcome me. back, baby. Hey, yeah. it's such a pleasure. Coming yeah. to us live from the rebuilt uh, Notre Dame <laughs> Cathedral. <laughs> Hopefully the listener can't tell because of microphone technologies, but oh, your yeah. new apartment is cavernous. They got me know. right up yeah, there with the gargoyles, them. keeping the demons away. <laughs> I like imagining you perched with a snifter of brandy in your cavernous mansion. Mm-hmm. 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 Just a bathrobe. Mm-hmm. Open Content bathrobe. for all things on your scowling face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to take a moment and thank the person who made this uh, episode possible. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you go to our Pick the Flick tier on our patreon.com slash smallbeans, uh, you too can be as awesome as Owen Rice. Thank you so much for suggesting this movie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we had all seen it, right? Yeah. I had seen it and enjoyed it, and uh, at some points it's been on our list of things to cover, but never sifted itself to the top. So it's right in our wheelhouse. Yeah, it's... I'll I'll launch the hot take. I'd seen it and not really enjoyed it the first time. Oh. I know, uh, but I did like it this time, so... Hey! Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was a whirlwind, but we got there. What a journey. Hey, can I throw another twist into this emotional roller coaster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's attack the take, people. I I really enjoyed it the first time. Second time, I I thought, I wish I had only seen this once, because it doesn't hold up as well upon multiple viewings. And it made me realize... I feel the same way about Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> oh, it's man. a oneer. It's that's a one C only. That's a yeah. that's a double okay. takedown. That's a double. That's an a take the block right there. There was a yeah. There was like a. That's like when the police spray bullets everywhere and it and someone through the wall is also hit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Bone Tomahawk was a casualty of my mm-hmm. take. I'm sorry. Yeah, bystander. Uh, my my. I guess I'll I'll defend the block. Uh, it's to me. It's uh, I, I think this movie is not that deep, but yeah. I enjoyed the shit out of it when I first watch it and uh, viewings after. I just feel like I'm enjoying it for what it is. It's not you know tickling any you know intellectual fancies. There's some stuff I want to talk about, but like ultimately it's it just slaps it's just is like a fun <laughs> thing it's a fun thing to I do love it. yeah, I love uh it. it's a cool idea it's it, it is like a goonies you know like i'm it's so as good glad as those you can said be. that it because that is not a comparison that flew into my head the first time but this time looking through the critical eye all that flew into my head were comparisons of course and sure. it is yeah it's goonies meets so many other things that that's you said it is what it is or like let's appreciate it for what it is and what i really want to get to first and foremost is like what is it because my new revelation is it's sort of a jj abrams compilation album and i hate those that was my uncomfortable awareness it's just a compilation of things that i like better than what jj abrams compiles but i feel like as a principle of mine, I have to now not like the movie because oh, wow. it is just Goonies meets. I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I get that. You like it when it's, you like it when there's layers. You like I it when it's I just want ogres. there to be one novel thing in each thing that I see. I want there to be one fresh idea. Right. Right. And it's not that. It isn't. Uh, I mean, I guess this setting up of the stage is or like, literally the way the monsters look is fresh you know yeah, but but i'm a writer not a visual designer so that is less appealing to me less i mean it's definitely a movie that's like based around a poster you know it, it, you know i mean it's it's based around like the the name of it even is like the pre- like it's this cool premise and it's everything else you've seen before but Do you guys remember the tagline no what is it bro the tagline uh <laughs> inner city meets outer space 
That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. And I completely forgot yeah. I'm going to talk this way the whole time, bro. Oh, no. Oh, God, He does no. this from time to time. People, Adam, you've never seen this. I used to live with this guy. He He'll just jump out. into this, and you, you just tune out for the, the longest next, like, it ever went hours. was like, uh, yeah, 48, 52 hours. We'll see how long this time, bro. It's like a fugue <laughs> state. If you mentioned it to him later, he'll get really scared Oi, and run Moses. into the corner and start hurting himself. <laughs> Kick the I shit out of this guy, Moses. So just let it happen. I didn't it's know that. I didn't oh, know he had God. a cockney glitch. Okay, that was yeah. a quick one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow. It's gone. Okay, good. Wow. State but yes, if you haven't seen it, it is very simple, and I'll get us past the uh, encapsulation real quick. No. A, no? Adam does it. Oh, Adam. oh, I do it. Okay. Well, one-upsmanship has rules. Yeah, yeah. Frame rate is just, he's right. He's right. Okay. Forgive me. I, I uh... Just do a short little synopsis of what we watched and, Great. you know, feel free to praise, you know, me during it. <laughs> 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 you know, Adam, it's all up to you. Yes. You have yeah. your marching orders. Thank you. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, Abe is handsome. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> just to, to open, we open on handsome Abe. No, so uh, the movie starts with a robbery around the block of a uh, a young trainee nurse by a uh, group of I think teenage uh, just rap kids, kids, yeah, rapscallions, yeah. I guess, from Hoodlums? around the block. And uh, this robbery at knife point is interrupted by an alien. Uh, that rockets down into like right in the middle of it. So the rapscallions end up uh, killing this alien and then trying to store it because they think they can profit on it somehow with their weed dealer, who is sort of the, he's sort of the Avon Barksdale of this building, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, What ensues is uh, a whole fleet of other aliens begin to invade, all of them seemingly focused on this building. And this team of rapscallions attempt to escape from various threats, one of them being this drug dealer building lord. Uh, Another one being... Thank you. Another one being the cops who are investigating both the robbery and then like some subsequent uh, malfeasance on the part of various residents, including the rapscallions. And... Uh, the aliens and uh, what ensues is uh, a hero's journey for our main character Moses who is sort of the leader of the gang who has to take responsibility for uh, the fact that his actions only bring heartache and pain to other people and he must make a heroic sacrifice in order to stop the alien invasion and grow up into uh, a young man and that's the movie Mm. what's his sacrifice well, he thinks he's he thinks he's running to his death, right? Oh, I see. Uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. But technically, just spoiler, he doesn't. I mean, because we right. spoil all of our movies because that's how we dissect them. But yeah, he does survive. He um, goes to so jail, though. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But everyone chants his name at the end, and they say that's for you, bruv. Yes, he becomes meaning that his impact was finally he's a positive. folk legend. Yeah, yes. he yeah. is uh, a proverbial Moses. Yeah, yeah, right. Well. I, there's not a lot of work done. They don't wander. He doesn't. Oh, really? He doesn't part the alien people sea. from slavery. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. He, is he Abe is your argument that the Moses myth looms large in Attack the Block? No, I just think I'd I like know. to hear you argue not that. Really. No, <laughs> it's not like a one to one. It's just he becomes a leader. He becomes a leader, and what's the name of a leader? I don't know, Moses. Sure, he becomes a, leader of his sure. people. But I also. It, because they're a little gang of rapscallions, they all have cool call signs. They do that, and so it Pest. makes sense. Bigs that he's yeah, Bigs literally a call sign from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. so it makes sense. And Final Fantasy that he's mm-hmm. uh, he's the leader, so they call him Moses. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Frost, we also didn't mention. Yes, who's, uh, who's I just want him to. So he had his hair long because mm-hmm. he had been shooting Paul, Paul? during this. Yeah. Yeah, another alien, and him in a like like a onesie like uh, sweat like suit mm-hmm. with a uh, with a fanny pack in the front and his long hair uh, is I think prime version of Nick Frost to me. His, like, although his, to a British person, that's a pussy pack. So they, I don't think oh, they is? call it that. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Fanny is a that much could... dirtier word. In, in oh, right, right, right. Oh, right, 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 right. His arrangement with that drug dealer is a little uh, unclear. Like, why, like, is he why he's there? always there? Yeah, what, why what's is the deal? He <laughs> yeah, is he part of this <laughs> business? I don't get it. 
Uh, I also do love the subplot with the uh, like woke lefty, but still scared of Moses and his crew guy who's constantly hanging out at the weed dealer's apartment, mm. but he can't, his dad can't find out or his trust fund will get cut off. Mm. Uh, there's some good solid B arcs, but it is ultimately um, gamefully unemployed. The day we're recording this just released a great episode on drag to cost concrete. And it, I, it, because we were about to record this, I was just thinking of the contrast there where it has that same vibe about like this intertwined close knit community that all bounce right. off each other. But attack the block is nice because the lesson's the opposite at the end. They all sort of come together, realize that, you know, we're all in the same boat. Uh, and the movie does a great job humanizing. Uh, it also reminds me of the warriors very much humanizing like kids who find themselves committing petty crimes that does not make them evil whereas in most in like your batman movies a 19 year old who's robbing someone is an evil to the point that we root for batman beating the shit out of them in an alleyway whereas in this movie it's i love movies that dip into the realism of actually a kid that robs you at 19 with a knife and his friends Probably just shitheads who need to mature, but yeah. like mm. the vast majority are gonna turn out to be fine adults. He's only uh, fifteen. They by just the way. lack impulse control or whatever. And then they drop the reveal right that Moses is fifteen. He's just really big for his age, and it makes so many of the scenes make sense in retrospect. You're like, oh well, he doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing. You know, <laughs> like right. he's still got to grow up. I just love that that it it gets to that point, and the, all the B arcs support that. Everyone. Not everyone shares the same values or purposes, but we all live in this fucking building. So if aliens come, we all have each other's backs. I like that a lot. I, I did too. I thought that was actually pr- kind of meaningful this time when I was watching it. Because like the the robbery is not uh it's not treated with kid gloves. Like it's it's no it's uh not a normal. It he didn't save any cats. Let's just say right. No, like, she explains to him later when they're on speaking terms. That I think you don't appreciate how traumatic that is, and he he you feel that he is learning that or he's accepting that in some way, right? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the two people you're talking about, Moses and uh, Sam, both careers that at this point, so this budget was eight uh, million uh, pounds, and the box office is like four million, so it's like flop. Uh, box office. That wise. sucks. It definitely really? deserves to make all its money back. Right. It's become a cult that. hit and done better uh, after, you know, in the DVD mm-hmm. sales, Blu-ray sales. But uh, the two people who uh, we're talking about, just take just because this is 2011. So we have John Boyega, who's now superstar. Right. Uh, and we also have uh, uh, who plays Sam, uh, Jody Whittaker. Jody Whittaker, Who yeah. is now Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, Nick Frost is the least, like, he was the pull in the indie circuit to be like, oh, also Nick Frost is in it. And everyone was like, what? He has a cameo? I gotta watch this. Like, that was the reason Nick Frost was, like, basically in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's very, there's some people that in a movie that you'll notice, like, Alex S. Meal and stuff like that, like, who have gone on to do some other stuff. But um, those two, like, it's hilarious to me because that, the budget of this movie is the equivalent of what these people will be getting for movies in the next year, you know? Um, sure. If not more. Well, yeah, it, on, it, you know, it, at the low about. end, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's just insanity, the star power in this movie. And Joe Cornish himself, the writer and director, um, he has gone on to do uh, a bunch of bigger budget things, including the, uh, was the one with the, the King Arthur kid one, the kid in King Arthur's kid court or whatever? N- no, oh, the kid who would be king. The kid who would be king, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing, he basically does like Spielbergian, like, children films for the most part seems to be his trajectory uh but he is a writing partner of people like edgar wright uh and Mm -hmm. uh i think nira park who also did a peep show and some mitchell webb look stuff so it's got a pretty good team behind it uh is one of the things that i noticed yet it's tiny tiny budget in terms of you know what it what you see on screen. Yeah. It reminds me of the Frighteners had a similar function, which right. was Peter Jackson's movie before Lord of the Rings. And that was basically 
it's like a movie that's so objectively good. Everyone in the industry sees it and it's a calling card and that person's career is made and yet right. it somehow flops. But the industry kind of doesn't care because the right people saw it who are like, no, no, you're good, Joe Cornish. Career made. Yeah. We see you. Yeah, uh, see so you. I'm glad it got his foot in the door because it, it does. It reminds me actually of yeah. like a John Carpenter. Like, cause it's mm-hmm. all about low budget, like scrappy, figure out a way to do it. You I'm know, so, that's a low budget considering how polished it looks. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it, those, uh, it's a pretty small scale movie. Mm-hmm. Like they're Imagine, in apartments, love, the whole movie. Basically. I love that you can say it's Goonies meets the Warriors meets the Raid Redemption. And it's, and it's technically right. kind of close. Yeah. Yeah, it is all this. I things. mean, we've seen a bunch of different movies basically that are like some way of trapping people in a building for the majority of it. Sure, of this course. and this is a good this is a good version of that, and it's a smart way to do a cheap movie. It's also you know? not too scared to leave the location, no, uh, because like it always bothers me. I know Tom and Dave hate on this one a lot, but it's true. Don't breathe. It they they're trapped in the house to a degree where it seems like they're fighting the screenwriter. You just can't get out of the house because God doesn't want you to. Right. And uh, I and Resident Evil Seven I think has that issue. You know, a lot of horror things. Attack the Block is is pro level pro status to me as far as uh, writing out plot holes there are it's simple it's a very Mm. simple story but many simple stories still fumble the ball there and i like that when they are able to leave the like tenement building they do you know what i mean they use the budget to create a real world in clever ways that didn't blow the budget but at the same time didn't scream we are a student film. We could only shoot at the 7-Eleven. The right. whole movie is at the 7-Eleven. Mm. Uh, they chose their their scenes that aren't within the like generic corridors of the apartment building very well. Yeah, I, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the, it's well shot, and the geography makes sense. It's he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very competent. It's a competent movie mm. for sure. Uh, it, it, I, this is going to sound bad, but I would say it's not like spectacularly shot. Like it's, it's, no, it's functional. I think Griffin, oh, I'm sorry. Abe, I think Abe is right about the, um, the Spielbergianness of it. It has that feel to me. Yeah. It's not as, it's not as, um, it's not as blocked as like Spielberg's really good at blocking, you know, like, like he's so good at blocking that sometimes you don't realize how good his shots are. Because he kind of designs these shots to capture a big motion, and especially at the beginning of the movie when they clearly had to spend they they had to spend money on locations, like the shooting style is very frenetic and piecemeal, and you kind of don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, And then at the end, they they figured out ways to show you wides of the aliens, which is what you all like. That's all we want, right? It's like, can we see the alien in a wide? Uh, But it's not like. There's nothing about the way this is shot that's like uh, more than standard action fare. Do you think? Uh, I think there's a lot of um, thought that went into the shots. Now to say that they're good visually, more interesting than another film, I I don't know if I'll speak to that. But like, I do think that there's an overarching visual aesthetic theory behind this film that's contiguous with the rest of like what the film's doing. Like so, you mean In like my, so you mean it's well, uh, expressive? It. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Uh, yeah without dominating the conversation too much, uh, I did have a theory about it, and it's uh, the wides that you're talking about, where we're like revealing and looking down at the uh, monsters, like kind of like owning the terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I think the thing you're talking about with the quick cuts, I think that's probably more or less a British homage to knowing that in our like in order to be like s- successful as a transplant from Britain to America and do well overseas, uh, Edgar, right up, Edgar, write it up a little bit, you know? Um, so they're, they're aping a style there, I think. But, uh, my theory behind what is like this wides and, and a lot of the, like the frame of reference for the film, it comes down to surveillance and comes down to in 2011. Well, in 2008, um, did you guys know that like I, I went down a rabbit hole parkour, uh, which there is a lot of in this movie and it was kind of big at this time because it took a few years was like a French thing, right? Mm-hmm. Parkour wasn't just a thing that eventually just became kind of a laughable 
kind of like, yeah, a bunch of, you know, chads running around jumping through like hoops and shit, you know, or whatever. Before it was just like a dance style or like just a performance thing. It was actually a political movement. Uh, And the idea was to reoccupy the space that had been determined for the the poor, more disenfranchised uh, groups in society who were forced to live in places like tenement living and blocks, which were, if you remember, like, and feel free, British people who are listening to this to correct me, but uh, a lot of the design of those style buildings, like when we look at Wyndham Tower, which is a fictional tower in this movie, I think referencing uh, the sci-fi writer, a lot of the streets are all sci-fi writers Mm. um, named after sci-fi writers. But uh, like those were designed in post, like those are postmodern buildings in the sense of architecture uh, because they're post-war. They're post-World War II where they had to rebuild all these things and they made them concrete. They made them... Uh, lifeless. They made them look kind of like spaceships uh, is one thing that people used to say back then. And I think that that's something when we get back to like parkour, it was about reclaiming those spaces as like you told us what community, what a community had to be as in the government by erecting these enormous blocks that everything was the same. Mm -hmm. And here we are going to make a stand about like the community being the ones who own this space. So literally we're going to have our occupants like be able to swing around and own the space as if it is literally their own jungle in which they can, they occupy, they, they own it. Um, so I think that there's a lot of smart things that Cornish is doing in terms of like, when is he doing surveillance? When, when is the movie looking at people like cops look at people versus when are people looking at people like they're just normal people and we start to reveal that it's like the monstrosity of the events like the attacks by the monsters uh the attacks the uh kids running around are like all telephoto and kind of fly on the wall that kind of makes me think of it's both a horror trope because it's like is the monster watching but it's also kind of like praying by the cops all the cops are shown as like uh, incidental to the events they drive up always in like a high wide and stupid which to me always looks like a security camera footage mm-hmm. and so I think that there's a lot going on in terms of just developing the space in terms of okay when we are in a segment where the cops are now important turn this kind of visual aesthetic on almost as uh, if to say um, societies or like the systems that uphold society's law and order are in play now versus now they're not like the cops are not going to enter this sequence. You know that by yeah. the way it's shot. And it's being very specific with the social and spatial context. Um, there's something that like the tower block teens say at one point, which is like, quote, people secretly know when push comes to shove, a gang like this is always going to be stronger, more together and more capable to deal with situations. Talking about how even though they're the people who come in are aliens like you that mm-hmm. the from our point of view sam you're a nurse yes and you live here but you are an alien to us this is our block but and then they come together through you know unity from being attacked by an other which has its own oh, whole other thing you know like yeah we we self-identify with like kind of xenophobic uh perspective makes it seem ahead of its time with like people chanting we protect us in the streets and you know, this whole move towards maybe humanity can finally evolve into uh, communities working out their own situations versus a centralized police force sweeps through mm-hmm. and does and applies whatever's on the books that day. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the movie set out to be like a strong political message. But no, I don't man, think so. It does tie into those issues in a way that if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to this, you might feel like, is this pol- is this movie? No, it's really just like a fun romp with aliens. But I see what you're saying. And I think it is there. I just I think, think it's just- treated as subtle background. I think that's why you're right when you say Spielbergian in that like Spielberg has political films, but they're they're more or less like they're it's surface level. It's just like, oh, we have that context of like imperialism or something like that. Um, In this movie, it's not super about that. But he did something with the idea of like, I'm making an alien movie. What is it? What it like? What's the idea of community against an alien? Let me try this thing. 
And how can I make, yeah, how can I evoke the uplifting side of that feeling of community? Wow, you know, mm-hmm. when a push comes to shove, we have each other's backs just because we're all in this building. That's cool. Uh, you throw aliens at them. And speaking of the aliens, I think something we remiss not to mention is how freaking unique everyone I know, the first thing they said is, it's the one where the aliens look really, really cool. Um, and so mm-hmm. often a movie where there's a monster that's going to chase our protagonist, it's truly important. Like I think John Carpenter's The Thing is so seminal because the monster, the monster is great. It's a good idea right. for a monster. And this is a great idea to represent an alien because it's the most other, without even invoking Lovecraft or the color out of space, it's essentially the color out of space. The monster's have fur that is a color black that is literally a void in the frame of the film. It's like Vanta black. It's, yeah. it's you incredible. It absorbs light in a way where you can't see what the aliens look like other than their teeth. The, they are just balls of fur and teeth, and they call them like ape dogs or whatever. Like this ape monkey thing came at me, bruv. And uh, yeah, the monsters are just endlessly cool and how they like pile over each other and move in these big herds. Uh, I got Muppet vibes. Do you know, Abe, at all how, or Adam as well, but like about the execution of those? I assume it's dudes in suits. Definitely. I, it is. Definitely. Okay. It is. It's. T- they only had two, though. What? Really? That's, That's remarkable because yep, there's two. lots of crowd scenes. It is. Uh, so the performance and the movement of the hairy monsters, uh, the idea of it being blacker than the blackest shade of black, which they say at some point when they're like yeah. looking over an unconscious one, um, is that they use that in color timing. That's just a you know color effect that they power window and drop down. Mm-hmm. But they made a very very you know like dark like humanoid monster that could run around on all fours which is performed by two basic stunt uh actors but then the teeth are entirely cg uh, i think there's probably like some form of you know prosthetic that makes sense you know thing that helps well they but probably have the neon and the slimy stuffs i'm guessing that they have like, i'm guessing that the teeth are they're removing the actor's ability to see and replacing it with teeth right I think the whole face was probably visible, and then they probably put yeah. dots and you know that makes sense. stuff on the face. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen footage of it, but I, you know, that's you can research online and see that like it is performers with a little bit of CG. It's a great mix of uh, CG and and practical effects. Like when I was watching it, because Abe and I worked on a movie uh, where we had to have a guy in a gorilla suit. Uh, it's actually I, how Abe, Abe and I met, which is kind of fun. Yeah, and I was on was, that shoot as well. Oh, that's right. You were on the yeah. shoot. That's right. We were I all improvised. That shoot. He's one of the coworkers. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's basically right. where we all met. That's so mm-hmm. great. So uh, I forgot about that. That's amazing. So they had an actor who, like, we had an actor who had to work in a gorilla suit. And, like, it was fucking nightmarish working in that gorilla suit for that guy. Right? Oh, it was hot. It was it hot. Was like, he had to take it off yeah. every twenty minutes and be on a fan. He was he was uh he was upset about it. And, you know, of course, just any communication g- gaps get widened by that kind of a situation. So like these suits don't look expensive. Right? Like I don't think they're right. super expensive. Do you think they're expensive, Abe? I, I'm looking at I them. Mean, they don't look no. no, I don't think so either. They probably don't have a lot of money, right? Like they're probably spending. They don't have like animatronics or anything that would need right. the suit to be other than just like a big gorilla suit that has like some bul- bulges in some spots, but it's mostly just the actor uh, and their ability to run on all fours. That's right. So, and they probably have springs Ugh. in the hands. So, I'm saying the reason I'm bringing this up is that like this suit is probably cheaper than the gorilla suit that we rented, probably. Probably. Yeah. And look at the impact they nuanced. got out of it. No yeah. offense to no, no, past no. us, but very impressive to get that kind of visual impact out of such a cheap piece of practical effects. The the stunt performer here, like the performers in this alien suit are doing incredible work. Uh, yeah, they, are. they really are because like because it is a scary alien and you can still see the pieces, which is rare in a movie now to be able to see the pieces. And they you, don't you, obfuscate the aliens. You see them yeah. all the time once they're revealed. Yeah. And and by see the pieces, I mean you can tell what is what is happening. Like the movie making pieces are clear to the audience, but it's being done with such enthusiasm that I think it's really winsome. 
As I said, it reminded me of Sesame Street in a way where I was like, the goodwill of watching a good puppet show where you're like, wow, good job with that puppet. I know it's a puppet, but good job. Right. It had that vibe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think that we all kind of do have a soft spot in our hearts for puppetry. I, I think so. Uh, yeah. I think I think the audience does. I'm serious. I think like yeah. movie audiences and stuff have a soft spot for it if it's done with like real enthusiasm and really well. Like mm-hmm. we'll 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 go the last mile and be like, I believe that alien. Uh, and I think that's what this movie achieved for probably not a lot of money. Honestly, yeah. do you guys buy the alien as a as a fictional life form? Because it basically boils down to the female crashed into earth right the little one is a female and it's releasing some kind of pheromone that the men so i guess these my question is how did they end up flying through space in a cluster like a cloud of meteor monsters i have a problem with the with the part that they got to earth that's the part that is problematic to me is like so like these people these things are being launched out of a space cannon like how's this how is this working and why and who's doing that right (laughs) yeah that's what that's one of the things that roger ebert mentioned is like they don't seem to have opposable thumbs they don't seem to have any form of civilization are we supposed to believe that this is just happenstance like you know meteors hitting meteors and then they're you know live on them somehow and like they land in these pods or they sent like you said uh the film chooses to ignore that and just says fuck it guys it's just snakes on a plane you know the title may almost feels like a snakes on the plane type yeah. title that's yeah. a, that's exactly what it is this is a movie that's like it's it's a b movie right it's a it's this is yeah. the premise the entire appeal of the movie is the premise if you don't want to see aliens versus inner city this is not the movie for you right like they don't they're not even right pulling any punches on that i don't think no, they're not. Yeah, that's why it's unique, and I think it's got a cult following. Also, because it's fun and it has big stars, uh, you know, soon to be as big stars. But it's interesting to me that in the B serial, like something like I don't know, like a great B serial movie, like The Mummy, let's say. Uh, oh my that, god! Uh, so it's like movies like that don't try to do stuff. This movie does try to do stuff, like. More on kind of what I was saying about like the parkour stuff. Do you think it's intentional or unintentional that like the aliens themselves and the threat, the idea of what society perceives as the threat of the block is super black ape like creatures with teeth. It's it, such that, a loaded it, political it, it You're saying like it would yeah. be that the aliens are to the block what the block is perceptually to like white America or white Britain in this case? Yeah. I, I yeah. I mean like I'm not super I don't well know that Joe Cornish on... would try to break into the industry with a statement that provocative. That's why he doesn't dwell on it but yeah. it's there i mean it could just have been a thing of wouldn't it be cool if they were like super black and like you couldn't see through right like any detail well they obviously that is true but with all the other things that he's doing about like and all of the things all the moments that moses like has an actual like a side politically about like you you think we're this you think we're this yeah we're not this we're people and the it's very all kind of tra- and tracks. the very key point that she's like you're 15? I thought you were 19. Yeah, because you see a black kid and you assume he's older, more right. dangerous, right. more uh, mm-hmm. capable of enduring trauma than... I mean, that's a statistic. That's like a time-honored statistical study, which is that uh, white people think that young black men are older than they are right. uh, and therefore like should more should be expected of them. I'm more scared of them. I'm more, you know... It, she calls them monsters at the beginning. Oh, she of the calls film. the whole gang monsters. Yeah, but right. I, yeah, on the phone. Well, it's hard. I don't know. I think there's obviously stuff there, but I also think that there's subtle differences between the state of race relations in America and Britain. Right. And Britain, I exactly. don't feel that I know all the nuances to the point where I can to fully decode the movie on a detail level. Yeah, I get a little concerned. Uh, that's true. I get so I get a little feel free to correct us. Well, yeah, I get a little concerned that if I pull on a thread like that, it might I it might not lead to the right conclusion as intended for that. Or exact I might reason. not be saying something useful or productive. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did, it, but Abe, what you're saying was like it did feel like a very loud statement. By the way, it wasn't a subtle thing. 
I like, it very... didn't occur to me till oh, I okay. just said it, but now it seems obvious. Yeah, I, I, it's like I mean, I think that I think the director was pretty careful to to, to make sure the gang didn't feel like it was exclusively a black gang. Probably. Right. Oh yeah, I don't. I think the whole idea is to subvert the class. Yes, I I agree with that exactly. I agree with that. And he went I out mean, of that's... his. But I would also argue he went out of his way to make it not seem like an agenda-driven movie. Yes. He didn't allow the spotlight to drift from the fact that it's going to be fun, there's going to be aliens, you're going to have fun. Uh, so it's interesting that just under the surface, there's pretty fraught, obvious symbolism, how he managed to get it over me. And I'm someone who looks for symbolism. I was just focused on the like, they're going to fight the aliens. Watch, they're fighting the aliens, you know? Uh, right, right. Yeah, so this is interesting. You've brought up parkour a couple times. I feel like the only real parkour moment I recall was the, I forget the kid's name, the kid who ultimately gets trapped in the dumpster saying, I could totally make that jump and then later making it because he has to. Was there more parkour or do you just mean yeah, generally how uh, they were all run around? The, the basic music, generally how they were run around and just the, because uh, like if you study like the the theory behind parkour, if you've seen the District 13 yes. films, <laughs> by the way, that is the guy, the guy who's the star of that, uh, David Bell. Mm-hmm. He is spelled with an E, not, not our Dave. Not our Dave. Yeah. Uh, I, I would know if yeah, it was our Dave. E at the end. Yeah. Uh, is, is the founder of parkour. Although and, uh, our Dave Bell can parkour like a motherfucker. He, he does If parkour, you see him in public, yeah, yeah. force him to do it for you. He often parkours. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the idea, the reason that it's like an obstacle course, it's it, like he was big about like, I like to do this stuff because I want to bring, like I, he was trying to do a thing to make it like an urban martial art yeah. in movies to juxtapose it against like violence in the movies and fascism. But parkour is just yeah. running around knowing which way, like in his mind, parkour is yes, it's a martial art, but like you don't have to jump and do precise roles in order to be doing do. parkour. It's more about owning your uh, environment. And it was like a lot of performance pieces that were about that. So I think that when I say parkour, I mean it as like, they know the ins and outs. Obviously John Boyega has that like music video sequence where it's slow motion mm-hmm. and he's like jumping off of like, you know, he's jumping over stuff and like off walls. So there's a few, I'd say that there's like two or three more than the one that you pointed out of moments where they actually like navigate through the space. There's the whole chase scene on the, uh, the moped, mm-hmm. um, where he's like sliding under, you know, That's like, true. uh, the, track. the doors and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of stuff. It's obviously not trying to say this is a parkour movie. I'm just right. saying like, but when you look at the theories, there are the same. And that theory is really interesting, especially because there's such a long history in film of fascism being represented visually by a row of identical houses or the yep. featurelessness of brutalist architecture, how it's just a cube. Exactly. So it's like exactly. parkour is water flowing through this cement cube. It's like, I refuse your cement cube. I flow through it exactly. in a unique way. Exactly. And I think you're definitely right that that puts this movie in a very interesting light because that then ascribes to the our rapscallions well, what is it to rob someone? It's it's being given a concrete block and trying to get through it in the easiest way possible. You're, you're trying to get to safety and security in the only way you know how, by owning the environment that you were born into, owning the environment you were given. Right. It also makes it a diehard in terms of its uh, appropriation of, like, you, if that were to action yeah. movie, this is to horror movie. Well, and horror movies are often about the... Mo- it's scary because the monster owns the environment. This becomes... Mm. Uh, they a, it we're, it. like, cheering as they kick ass movie because we own the environment. The aliens... Right, exactly. All the aliens fucked up. It's a home game. They came to our turf. We win. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. That's good stuff, uh, and man. I think that that's a nice little flip. Yeah, that's, that's really a fa- good. that's a really fascinating theory. I I, I uh, I'm I'm honestly uh, just rethinking the whole movie because of it. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the idea that they're hiding out in like like trash bins is another thing. Like it's it's trying to unify like race and poverty though, yeah. and I think it's all one big uh, kind of group because it's it's unique to the block it's unique to 
whatever, like I haven't spent time in, you know, British blocks, so I don't know, but like the genetic makeup of people that makes up like South London, Mm -hmm. like, what is that? Um, there is, it seems like it's very well versed in that. Uh, it is true that Joe Cornish wrote the story, excuse me, after he was mugged. Really? Uh, so that's interesting that, that, that his impulse was to make the muggers the protagonist. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that developed or whatnot, but it's also about particularly teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like if we want to, uh, you know, I think we should, but if you want to dismiss like kind of the, the perception that the movie's about, uh, you know, the poor or the working class or people of color, it's, it's really about teenagers and their place in the world. Uh, and we kind of all know, cause I think there's been a lot of literature that's come out of Britain about how teens are presented in movies, uh, as kind of thuggish and like, you know, they rob people and you know, that's kind of like what you said, the sympathy for that as like, well, you're not even done being a human yet. And you'll realize what you've done is like kind of tragic. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're not going to blame you for the worst thing you've ever did before you were 17. You know? Um, I think that's probably was at the tip of the tongue when he, when Cornish was thinking like, I should make them the protagonists and be sympathetic towards their plight is because they're young, they're kids, they're dumb. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, Moses does. And it is truly true. It is truly traumatic to be held at knife point. But a dumb kid doesn't necessarily know that that's the consequence Mm -hmm. of their action in that moment. And that that's sort of what we see is Moses learning that. And it turns out Moses deep down is a an empathetic person by nature. So once he realizes that you get the impression, oh, I probably won't do that anymore. Uh, mm. <laughs> that's his arc. It's straightforward, but it's very, it also, but it works. Very it's very impactful. straightforward. It's, yeah. It also comes out of like, who's the true villain of the movie? Uh, we d- aren't given like an ad hoc, like here is like high, high culture and like, or the, here's the middle class or the upper class. This is what they are. I mean, Sam kind of represents that, but she, uh, as they all find out, they're all kind of in it together. Why she, why does she live in the block? Cause she's poor. She's a nurse, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, but when you think about not just the aliens being the villain of the movie and like the threat that they are in the surface level, you start to realize that there's something unique that they're doing with hi hats as well, because hi hats is like, he owns the block in terms of like the crime, the criminal level. Right. Like he sells all the weed. He's he can very everyone. He doesn't fear the police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to listen to what he does because he's the owner. He's the leader. He's, he's like King. Uh, so when it's, it, when Moses decides that I'm going to save the block and I'm going to do it in this way by, you know, like running with the, uh, pheromonal, you know, mm-hmm. female on my back and get all the males to chase me out of the, the block to save the block. He does it not just as at this point, hi hats is dead, but, uh, he does it in a kind of way of not, it's not just trying to say like this block is ours. It's also saying that we choose the block is going to do like I c- Moses could easily go down the path of becoming the next hi hats, right? right? He's already the king of his tiny little thing. Hi hats is the old guard. He's the new He'll guard. inevitably get it, older and he could step into yeah, that role. Exactly. He's, you know, um, so because of that, he's denying it that he's deciding I'm going to allow myself to play the system, which is its own form of tragedy. As you guys mentioned, he goes to jail at the end of this. So it's like as a martyr of doing the right thing, his he has to deal with the consequences of being a martyr. You know, I can't think of more like. I, more prevalent <laughs> like thing right now, you know, as a black man choosing to go to jail to do symbolically the quote unquote right thing. Yeah. Because the police state is just a matter of nat- nature. Like that's just the natural thing. I mean, if this movie was going to have like actual teeth, it would pick that apart. But what it chooses to do is to say like, well, Moses did good. Not only did he save the block, he also chose a way like to walk away from crime. And it's like, that's fine. 
but that's not quite is not going to solve the problems the systemic problems of crime and class and race of course that's why it's a b movie but it's not that movie it's a fun adventure but it it does take it up a notch in sophistication that it weaves into its backdrop those themes i would say that's cool because you could easily do the same movie and have it be really exploitative of just like Look at the criminals. Isn't it cool? They're cool and badass because they're criminals. You know, uh, it's it embraces at least two, three levels of nuance, which is very good for an adventure movie. Yeah, I love the line that Moses has, which is government probably bred those things to kill black boys. Yeah, yeah. First they sent in drugs, then they sent guns. Now, now they send in monsters to kill us. They don't care, man. <laughs> we ain't even killing. We ain't killing each other fast enough, so they decided like, to speed I'd say up the it's, process. It's more insightful than Dread, which is a movie that is equally oh, yeah. fun and also takes place in a tenement block in a dystopian society. Definitely. But mm-hmm. Dread really doesn't say anything about class that resonates. This does. No. <laughs> no yeah, this, this has more to this say does. socially, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, there's yeah. no question about it. Yeah. I also would say that like like in doing the standard you know i'm going to put the word boring in quotes boring hero's journey stuff it's pretty good at it like it does a pretty affecting yep. hero's journey uh and like hits the tropes pretty effectively like mm-hmm. uh you know like the thing that the thing that people tend to get bored about when you talk about it like there's still like the core thing of movies that people like watch it for and this kid growing into a responsible adult which is sort of, i would that's how i would describe his journey yeah, is compelling. Uh, it was incredibly. Super, compa- it's yeah. such a cheat, but to find out he's 15 years old had an incredible impact on me. Because now, as a 35 year old person, I know the difference between 19 and 15, and it's oh, yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like to retcon in that moment. Oh, he's going through all this, and he has a 15 year old brain. Oh, he's really a baby. Wow, this must be scary for him, and he's not showing it. He's acting like a big tough guy. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. really impactful for me. I got to give it to Boyega just because this He's is his incredible in this. Right? Yeah. He did not exist on the map yeah. in terms of being in anything that was on the stage even. Mm-hmm. And his choice, uh, and I don't know who, how it worked creatively, but like his choice to like basically catalog the events of the film with his like stoic kind of like looking at everything and trying to internalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, as is like totally the wrong decision if you want to have a character who is charismatic or like fun to you like kind of why I think Adam you're saying boring yet he's one of he's the most compelling part of this film and I think it does two things I think it makes us think about when we're a child and we're just trying to figure things out because he's just kind of stoically cataloging all these events but also that he is able to internalize all these events and do something like his choice basically happens on a blank slate, you know, like he, when he actually has his moment of like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to save the block Mm -hmm. myself. Like we see it in a shot of him basically sitting on a couch looking off camera And then he just stands up and says, this is what's going to happen. That is the least dramatic way of doing that. Of the hero's call to action. Yeah. From camera blocking, scene work, writing. It's just from every level. It's just, no, it just happened. And some people might look at that as like, well, that's a failure of your biggest moment. Well, then you weren't really watching the movie is my contention. Because like, if you watch the movie, everything about him is subdued. He is a little boy trying to interpret internalize events and everything is happening in his head and we're not we don't get to see what's in his head that's one of the things that allows us to as a viewer understand the nuance of the plight of the block you and know, the it's age not something difference we get to yeah see. it changes from he's quiet because he's thinking schemes to oh he's quiet because he's in way over his head and he's trying yes. to pretend like he knows what he's talking about I'm right. a mature it, adult it, yeah this, right. this is literally a coming of age story morally for him mm-hmm. like that that's yes. what it is he's a he's a fantastically acted character 
because if you mm-hmm. go back and like know where you're going, like it, to watch this movie a second time right after you've watched it, knowing where it goes, the performance by it's Boyega, right? John Boyega mm-hmm. uh, Boyega's, is yeah. like astounding. It's astounding. It's like it, there's so many little variations in his eyes and in his facial expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's very impressive. It makes you realize how much of a waste he is in what, Star Right. Oh, my God. Right. And you've got Oscar Isaac and, uh, <laughs> yeah, what's her name? Daisy Ridley is very good as well. And All fucking stoic, but for well, no but reason. That movie's beneath all of the actors, That's true. Yeah. But, but Boyega <laughs> does, see, like, the nice thing about Star Wars for him is it shows that he's actually very funny, too. Like, cause he's also, what shows funny he's funny is how he reacts to Star Wars fans yes. giving him shit. That yeah. shows how he's funny. <laughs> yeah. But he's but he's, he's playful lovely. and a, and like he can carry an action movie joke line. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, he can do yeah. it all. Yeah, he can do it all. He's I gonna agree. he's gonna be big. Uh, yeah, he's gonna yeah, make it for sure. Um, he nails it. I, so like, I think this movie is an interesting contrast to a very recent film that has exactly the same journey except for just scrap the aliens. And that is uh, good time. Have you seen good time? I have yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. good time. It's, it's uh, it's by the Safdie brothers who just did uncut gems. Right. If you saw that movie, mm-hmm. good time yes. is literally the same exact hero's arc, right? Which is like uh, a, a person who's like a low life is ruining like the lives of his brother and his friends and everyone who comes into contact with him. And he needs to learn to like accept responsibility for himself. Mm-hmm. Same exact arc. It's, it, it's a, that's a fun movie night to like watch these two back to back and see like the differences in, you know, race is part of it. And also yeah. just uh, age and uh, walk of life. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, he's got a different subset of problems, but it's the same kind of like taking someone who's not equipped for just like the weight of their world mm. and how they come out better for it. Um, it's kind of like it, it, they're both kind of trying to preach in a strange oh, yeah, way. Absolutely. The, the benefit of adversity, which I don't think is entirely it. And I think Good Life is also a little bit more uh, adult in terms of its themes and a little bit more complex and, and but uh, in, way more intense. This is the beginning. Way more intense. Yeah. Yeah. Way more intense. Uh, but because the stakes are not Grounded. higher in terms of like life, but like, like you know, monsters are killing people, yeah. but yeah. like realistic and like Jesus. Okay. Choices. Yeah. Easier oh, to yeah. put yourself um, into the position of the players when there's right. no aliens. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just the difference of one being an adventure teen movie and one's one being a drama. Like kind of an adventure adult movie yeah. when you really look at it. Uh, um, I agree. Can I pour one out for Dennis? I want to pour one out for Dennis. Yeah, for He's Dennis. my favorite I've, character in this. Uh, is he the one that gets trapped in the dumpster? No, no. Dennis is the one with the asymmetrical mohawk who like oh, he's yeah, doing okay. he's doing the biggest tough guy act. Out of all mm. of them, he's the one that's like doing the doing yeah. the scowl and the and the yeah. threatening people thing, and I just love him. Uh, I just love him. <laughs> his name is Dennis. That alone is like so winsome, <laughs> like, and his mohawk's great. And then he's just trying so hard to be tough. It's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. he he went too soon. I really like that character. Yeah, I forgot. I'm, I had trouble remembering which is named which, but. It's a very good Stranger Things slash Warriors vibe. The kids each feel like they have their own game going on. For sure. Again, competent. It's competent. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of hard right. to do to make you care about the gang that you're going to get see get eaten. Like watch the descent right. like we just did when the-, the gang is five to seven characters it can be hard to have time to give each yeah. one a little thing but everyone really did i i yeah. had feelings about each one a- abe and and like abe and i just watched the descent for director piece a, a while right. back and like you don't know who any of those women are you know like you know like three right. of the six of them like, you just keep track in your head of we're down to four right oh, we're down to three and, and like these kids are both harder to understand and uh, on the run constantly from an alien, and you still get a sense of who each of them is. Who, yeah, very so specific. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah. I that's I think that's a testament to Joe Cornish. To be uh, oh, honest, totally. Because that is all in the writing. He's exactly. really he built in space. He's really good at having kids quickly develop character. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's very really. specific uh, skill and how unique each of everyone is. It's um, 
I want to do one more thing that mm-hmm. I forgot to mention about the uh, like the political lean of this film. Uh, one thing that none of us have mentioned is that this happens on Guy Fox Day or Guy Fox Night, mm. uh, which for American people uh, who haven't seen V for Vendetta, <laughs> uh, that's the fifth of no- November, and it's the failed attempt by Guy Fox to do the gunpowder plot, I think. Blow is up the, name the of it. houses point of is, parliament. He tried to explode parliament. Yeah. Uh, and it's the, uh, the house of Lords, I guess is what they call it. Uh, but like, yeah, you get, you get it. Um, the idea is to take, to overthrow the state itself. Um, and that's just some, and it was a whole bunch of like Protestant versus Catholic stuff, but that's not all here. That's kind of the poor versus rich. Well, and what's interesting is that day is celebrated two ways, right? Like officially, according to society, it's a celebration of the fact that he was captured and killed before he blew up the houses of parliament, but revolutionary, you know, counterculture and Zoomers who think that society sucks now celebrate Guy Fawkes Day as a celebration of his attempt to overthrow society. So it's however you want to celebrate it, really. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, That's something I wanted to mention. The last thing that I wanted to mention, which I'll probably just kind of keep it, I'll kind of just bullet point it. And then if we want to talk about it more, we can do it uh, on a, a more on a podcast that makes a little bit more sense for it to be done. Because this is but, not um, related. Is, your, is that what it's, you're caveating? It's, it's related, but I think it's endemic to something that's true about how we do heroes mm. in uh, these kinds of quote unquote boring, uh, you know, like approaches to like mm. the Marvel standard movies tales. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like this so much more than those movies, by the way. I, I just want to get that in before you say oh, anything. Oh yeah. I but actually when you look thought at the, this was a comic book when I first, if watched this it. were a Marvel movie, right, you would yeah. be three Marvel movies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's so eloquently done. Um, but when you look at the structure of that, these things, it's surprising to me that we go, we're going away from a very American tradition of like, let's take a John McClane as a character, right? Who's a guy who's like kind of a piece of shit, but not like a real piece of shit. He's not, we're not, we don't show him like killing a cat or anything. Right. He's just like kind of a drunken louch kind of like mean to his wife, you know, like but even though they're like separated, you know, he's just like kind of just an everyman. kind of shows this Yasarian catch 22 esque version of the antihero where it's like, yeah, he's a good guy, but he's also like got flaws like the rest of us. Right. We loved in the eighties and nineties to take characters like that and then bring them to their height where they do just one beautiful thing, you know, or if it's a blockbuster, the one beautiful thing nine times in a row. But there's something interesting happening right now in American cinema, which uh, I don't think it's creating interesting movies, but I do think it's interesting from the perspective of where the, uh, the basis of it comes from, which is when you look at movies like this or Marvel movies, what I would say is a continuous th- thought of like those main characters is that they're like the Stephen Stranges or they're like the, you know, like Moses, where they're kind of, they start in a very low place where they're doing like uh, slightly immoral things. Iron Man mm-hmm. is another example of it. And then by the end of it, they are kind of the virtuous good. Uh, you know, lawful good of society. And that is more indicative of wushu films. That's something that literally comes from that style of martial arts. That would usually be the protagonist's journey structurally. Yeah. It didn't exist until like, like Bogart in America. And even then it didn't really, they just like to make Bogart. Well, yeah. Casablanca does have a very Eastern like story structure. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, you slowly realize you're not the main character of your own movie. That's very Wushu. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And yeah, Wushu, if you think of things like legend of drunken master, uh, you know, once upon a time in the East, like these films, a lot of Jackie Chan films, uh, they start with someone who's like a piece of (laughs) shit. Like literally like laughing at like poor people and yeah, stuff. Kung in the Fu case Hustle. Of Master. And then, yeah, exactly. And it comes from that idea of that you can completely change 180. That's what I think they're getting to. And the it's tradition like the of constant self-improvement, which is sort of baked into their yes, religious exactly. traditions. Yeah. 
And I feel like this is another example of some, this is earlier in the trend, but it became something that I think in the early 2000s started and then now is in full swing. And it's my kind of like state of the union of like the takeover of the like martial arts hero in taking over the Western hero or the like King Arthur hero. Yeah. We no longer want the John Wayne esque guy. Uh, I mean, we still have that Michael Bay makes films, Uh, but like we are less interested in that. We're more interested in like horribly play like as let's go the King Lear way. You know, if you're going to show a comedy or a tragedy, let's go from you are the highest of the king to you're in the, you know, on the curb on the street or or vice versa. A kid learns to stop just being a selfish kid and focus on the needs of one of his elders. Like these are very not Mm. John Wayne arcs. (laughs) And again, just to bring in the political aspect of this film too, I don't think the politics of this film nail it because it's a kid film like we pointed out i don't think that we're supposed we are kind of supposed to believe in this movie that john boyega is a piece of shit and i don't think and he does it in a kind of convoluted way that you go well he's not really the worst right. though he's just Which kind is, of like product it's of his not in a way in most movies where they go ah that person committed a crime on screen or ah that chick had premarital sex it's okay for her to die right. horribly because that's bad um it's playing off our assumptions as like white middle class people right it's a, a more realistic like depiction cl- of like yeah. Well, just because someone robs someone at knife point, it doesn't mean they should be put to death. It means they have poor impulse control. Let's check in with them and find out what they're about. Are they evil or do they just have poor impulse control? Right. So it does go a little bit, but I'm just saying it doesn't go like it doesn't nail it. You know, it's just trying to play off these tropes. I I guess that's all I meant to say. And I find it's interesting that like there's samurai stuff in this. Definitely. And there's that's a great fascinating trend that I think we should continue tracking as the podcast continues in like a macro sense. That's why I gave the caveat. Um, But anyway, that's my. Grand I theory. feel like we edged Adam out for the last bit. Adam, do you have any oh, final thoughts yeah. before you no, wrap sorry. up? No, uh, sorry. Well, it was just one of those things. There, I, I, there was nothing other than yeah that I could say to that. Uh, but it deserves a yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it got one. Good. Uh, no, I, 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 uh, I mean, I just have a bunch of like cute things about this movie. But, but uh, like, Let's hit well, him. well Let's hit him. just briefly, I, I. I think that this is like a good template for what comic book movies should be mm-hmm. because it, mm. it, uh, it's, it's sort of like reminds me of all the best comics that I read, uh, in the, it has a very clear hooky, uh, premise. And then it has just sort of a yeah. good moral journey that's enjoyable. And then the rest of it is pulpy and like, that's good. Uh, it's also like the quickest hour and a half I think I've ever seen spent in a movie, right? Like it flies by. It does. It, yeah, it fucking it slaps. <laughs> it really slaps. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to prolong this. I, 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 uh, I kind of would like to see more. In I, I'd like to see more movies like this, you know. But I don't want them to be Tarantino type movies or like Rob Zombie movies. Oh God, no. You, you mean know, movies I, that would make good comic books but aren't based on Marvel or DC properties that but yeah, have that feel? Right. Yeah, I'd can, like to see can, that too. Can anybody adapt style. a Vertigo comic, please? You know, like right. uh, like Fuck. Concrete as a movie, something. Yeah. Hundred Bullets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, Sandman. I know it's supposed to get made, but anyway, like I, like those comics are really great, and they're. Like I get very tired of superheroes as the way to do action and and comics, both things, mm-hmm. because that's not superhero. Superheroes aren't our journey, you know. Like Boyega's character mm. here, Moses, is a lot closer to real life, mm-hmm. you know, than oh, Thor yeah. or fucking Wolverine or whatever. Um, and that, yeah. not not even because the social social aspect to it, just like the the comic like comics should be about sort of like a, an adventure plot in which a human being learns something about their their mortality and their morality and their place in civilization and then grows right like that's right. fucking interesting yeah well said. Uh, yeah and I, it should be on the mythic yeah. iconic level it should be that simple yeah 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 they should learn one right. thing exactly not two one 
<laughs> right. One simple thing uh, yeah, it needs to be isolated. It. And it shouldn't be like baked in lore forever. Like that's the other thing yeah. is like, there's no lore to this at all. It's very like, like it has less lore than district. Nine, no, it's primal. No it's like lore. a fable. It's like an Aesop's yeah. fable and it's elegance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be a horror movie if it was played for blood. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, but it's not, and that's what makes it so fun. You Although know? it doesn't shy away from killing off a good sixty percent of the core cast that you like, so gird yourself if you haven't seen it. Yeah. If nothing else, yeah. uh, I hope Elaine's pick gets more people to watch it for the first time. Hearing how much it, its box office was, I'm like heartbroken. So I hope everyone who is a bean definitely gives it at least an initial watch. It's very good. Yeah, I don't know where you can find it right now. It's on I think Amazon. You can rent it. Obviously yeah, I did. Yeah, you can rent. Yeah. yeah, I rented it on Amazon. Yeah, I actually own nice. it. Nice. Um, All right, makes sense. Big look at me. I'm, I'm the big man. <laughs> big man owning own things. Stuff. Uh, uh, Fuck him. But yeah, <laughs> eat the Abe. <laughs> this Hash, hashtag this eat good. the Abe. Um, eat the Abe. Yeah, I think that that's an episode. Yeah, I think so. All I right. think so. I think. Thank you uh, again Rice. to Owen yes. Rice. Thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. He requested you. Oh, really? And I hope, hopefully, both of you got. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted, I, I wanted that sweet say. patron validation. So right. you know, I, I got that. Just know that there's people paying money, top dollar, and it for proves the that Adam. there's someone who knows Adam and Abe are two different people, which is great. My God, thank you, Owen. Oh, I should give you money just yeah. for knowing that fact. My own fucking parents call me Abe now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it happens. It's pretty rough. (laughs) It's it's rough days out there. It really is. Earlier in this episode, I I called Abe Griffin. What the fuck is that about? Yeah, we're all morphing into one rat king, like a cracked director rat king is what's happening. It really is. It's been a problem since We all sleep in a pile, as Daniel used to say. Yeah. 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 yeah, we really do. We're the cracked editors. We all sleep well, in a big pile, as you'd imagine. In a house yeah. in the valley, we all rent. It's wacky. That's really good. <laughs> it's wacky. That's a good joke. Zany hijinks it's a good ensued. Bit, yeah. yeah. All right, fellas. All right. That's yeah, no spiel so. this time. We'll spiel nah. up next time. All right. Nah. Thank Bye. you, everyone. Bye. Bye. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!